the Culture Guy Podcast. Welcome back after a longer pause. A timeout. Hiatus even? Well, we've been gone for a while. But we're back now. Welcome back. This is Christian, also known as The Culture Guy. And for those of you who've been missing updates to the podcast, my apologies. We're moving. When I say we, that means my business, which is The Culture Mastery. When I say we, that's also my family, my lovely wife, our daughters. Um, We're moving, and moving is taking longer than we anticipated. And that means that sometimes things fall to the sidelines. And unfortunately, that was also the case for this podcast so thanks for staying true to us to me to this program and thanks for your patience and let's let me get right into it because i have been itching to share with you a conversation i had with a friend from canada Uh, her name is marie chevet and i'm pronouncing her name french even though well she'll explain to you why um this may be misleading Uh, marie is the founder owner of shift management for leadership in intercultural workplace learning in edmonton canada and she's also behind the twitter handle work and culture because she not only um, helps people to uh, build their skills for leadership in the workplace but also specifically is working with newcomers and immigrants to canada um, to help them get the skills they need to be successful in a canadian workplace so without further ado let me share with you what Marie and I were talking about. And live from Edmonton, Alberta in Canada today, I have with me Marie Chavez or Marie Gervais, or how do I best pronounce your name or how do people in Edmonton pronounce your name? (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Christian, for having me on. It's most people here say Marie Gervais. But if I were speaking to French-speaking people in the area, they would probably say Marie Gervais. So it's up to you. And in our conversation that we had earlier, I learned something, and I I would like for you to share this with our audience, because I was not aware that there are French-speaking Canadians outside of Quebec. So stupid me assumed that the French speakers in Canada, they're all lumped in one province. So that's not the case, apparently. No, in fact, there are francophone communities in every single province uh, across Canada, and there are even francophone communities that where French is the predominant language, and so there there are minority French speakers in rather large numbers throughout the whole country. Fascinating, um, and you shared a little bit with me in our in our intake conversation that we had about your personal history and and your family, how they came to Canada, so. Going by your last name and the French pronunciation may not 
do you and your family heritage uh, full service? So would you care to share with your with our audience how you became the Canadian that you are today because you have very well unique European roots, right? Well, it's actually kind of fun to trick people because everybody assumes that I'm French Canadian or that I'm from Quebec. Uh, and then they can't figure out my accent. They go, wait a minute, you sound a bit Acadian. No, you sound a little bit Anglophone. Wait a minute. <laughs> who, are you related to so-and-so? And they play this little game for a while before they figure out that I'm, I'm not from, uh, I'm not from a French family. <laughs> My father immigrated from Germany, mm -hmm. from Emsland, after the war as a, as a very young man trying to start a new life. And my mother was the, born to a family of pioneers. Her father immigrated from Russia and her mother from Romania. And so they spoke a German-Russian dialect called Krasnovish. Wow. And yeah, so I never met them because they were deceased before I was born. But so I grew up in a family where my mother and my father were uh, speaking various kinds of German to me. Well, until I was about six and then they got tired of arguing with each other about who was right. So they decided to just stay with English. And then... Uh, when I was 19, I thought, you know, I really, really want to learn French. The inter also, my parents gave me the name Marie, so that it is a French name. Mm -hmm. And they did that on purpose because they said, you know, we are in a Canadian country and the two official languages are English and French, and we want your name to sound good in both languages. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they gave me that name. My first name actually is Alexandra. So Alexandra Marie, and my maiden name was Schulte. So Schulte, now that's a good German Schulte. name. So Cheve yeah, Cheve is your married name then, I'm assuming? It is, oh, yeah. Okay. And, and I, I really like this tricking people with names, and it became something that I did with my own children. So my children all have names where you, can, you can't guess the nationality. So, uh, for example, my oldest daughter's name is Zore, Z-O-H-R-E-H, which is a Persian name, and Rachel. Uh, Gervais, and mm -hmm. uh, so you cannot tell where who she's, what country she's from. And my youngest daughter, same thing, Loi, which is a made-up stage name. So Loi Sarita, Sarita, which is uh, Spanish, uh, and then Gervais. So um, yeah, and we, my children, all married people from different cultures. So I have, we have a Haitian immigrant daughter-in-law, and we also have a Korean immigrant daughter-in-law. So, uh, and then one of our son-in-laws is Ukra uh, Ukrainian heritage, second-generation Ukrainian. So, uh, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. A multicultural personal history and a multicultural family setup now. That, that, that's awesome. And you sure have had me tricked because ever since I moved to North America from Europe, I, it became a kind of a sport for me to um, identify ethnic heritage of people by looking at their names and maybe where they're from and what type of accent of English they speak. And with you, I would have totally missed the mark on that. <laughs> well, in our family, we used to have this this little game that we played called Nabil from Nottingham, <laughs> because we had we like to have this thing where you know you you just meet people and you can't guess where they're from. So we met this guy named Nabil was his first name, which of course is is a Middle Eastern name, and then his his last name, uh, I don't remember it exactly, but it was a it was like a an Eastern European name, so like something very Eastern European sounding. And uh, and he, he grew up in Nottingham and lived in Japan. Uh, so, you know, it was just re really cool that you know, no one could guess where he was from, who he was from. And I think it fit into our being third culture, a third culture family very nicely. So whenever we'd meet somebody that 
that was uh, tricky in the same way we'd all like high five each other and go, it's another Nabil from Nottingham. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and you, I think you, with, with your family's history and your personal heritage, it, it, it appears that that also gave you the, the travel bug in, to a certain extent. I know that you spent time studying in Japan and you also lived in, in India and in France. Uh, did I miss anything? Well, when I was 13, I lived in Germany for a year, and I did speak uh, conversational German at that point, but I haven't really kept it up, so mm -hmm. I, I have to do that so that we can have a proper German conversation. Well, we'll do that on a separate episode that will be very limited, with a limited audience then. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, you, you studied in, in Tokyo, right? I did, actually. I, I was there for five months. I studied international development, mm -hmm. and... Um, And that was kind of a weird experience because, well, everything uh, – I, I experienced all the things I used to ri ridicule other people for because they weren't culturally flexible enough. And uh, I experienced my my zone of cultural rigidity, and I was quite ashamed of it, actually. Mm -hmm. So uh, – and one the, – the thing that happened to me first was that I had an allergic reaction to rice. And <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I've never uh, had an allergic reaction to rice before, but I'm telling you it was – It was quite the problem in Japan. So, um, and I couldn't, I could not eat rice for years afterwards. And it's like my whole body said no to everything Japanese. And I was quite horrified because I thought, you know, you just get in there and you act like this is where you're going to be for the rest of your life and you just figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was in Japan, that it was maybe it's age, or maybe it was having learned pieces of several languages and lived in different several co different countries but it was like I had a visceral reaction to to know to everything Japanese and I really kind of went into a cocoon for a while until I could come out and then I thought this is it I finally went through a real proper culture shock <laughs> wow and and how, how did you recover from that I'm assuming that being unable to to consume uh, the food that's being offered to you would would have made rapport building or relationship building quite challenging. I really thought Japan would be easy, and that was my mistake. And the reason f for me thinking it would be easy is because my father's, when he came from Germany, he didn't know uh, really very many Germans. And his idea was, I'm going to make friends with people who are not German so I can get good at English. Mm -hmm. And because of that, his friends were from all over the world. And that's how I grew up with, with no real family and lots of uh, adopted family from different countries from around the world. And his best friend was a Japanese man who learned how to shrink wrap tofu. Mm -hmm. And my dad helped him build his first store and everything. And after he figured out how to shrink wrap tofu, he became an overnight millionaire, still is. Uh, and then he would take fly my dad for special uh, you know, treat weekends every once in a while to thank him for getting started in the very beginning. And so I grew up, I was the only five-year-old in my little town Uh, when I was growing up in Alberta, I was the only five-year-old who could eat as well with chopsticks as uh, Asian kids could. Hmm. And, you know, and I was used to Japanese food because we ate it all the time. And I just, I don't know, you know, I thought I picked up a lot of stuff about Japanese culture. Well, I was wrong because people that immigrate to a country and are adapting to that co country are not the country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so when I went to Japan, there were lots of things that surprised me and shocked me and delighted me. And um, and I just found it very difficult to adjust in Japan, whereas the other countries I was in, I didn't have the same difficulty. And uh, I, find, I find that interesting that you would be so candid to, to, to admitting to that, because this is something that um, 
those of us in the field who like to think of themselves as culturally savvy or more flexible in adjusting to otherness, even those who are those self-professed culture experts or culture whatever, um, it sometimes it can be just as hard as if you were the the hick from the backwoods who never intended to be out of your own uh, of your own fishbowl, so to say. Um, the fact that you, as someone who had been exposed to foreign cultures, to foreign foods, and who had made experiences with otherness before, even you were at a point where it was really difficult for you to adjust. Maybe it was even more difficult because, I mean, I was just about finished my doctorate in in workplace and culture. Mm. <laughs> and I was... I was just in the sense that I was just always sort of analyzing everything that I went through and and then kind of beating myself up about it and going, you know, uh, maybe it, you should do you should do better with this, Marie, because this is your field for Pete's sake, you know, mm -hmm. and then and I finally had to accept that I was a human being. And that's when I started to really think that with lots of limitations, not that I didn't know that before, but it just felt sort of I just felt so very limited and uh, and it's. I guess I that's when I started to think, you know, what you need to do is not only accept yourself, but when you're working with other people, they are on a continuum of cultural rigidity or flexibility. Mm -hmm. And that continuum may be something that they stay with for their lives, or it may change depending on their circumstances. And really, the appropriate thing to do is to respond to them where they're at. And so uh, it made me a lot more tolerant of people who had very limited experience uh, mm -hmm. You know, if they had a really good, deep geographical experience in one place, but their breadth was really small, right. um, I just would get into these deep conversations with them about the price of meat or whatever they really cared about. And it just felt like that was the right thing to do with that person. And uh, bef I think before I had this idea that I should do something that would help them broaden their minds. And I changed my mind on that. And I thought, you know, if somebody is is going to be very culturally rigid they are that way uh in it, you, you're not going to make them feel any better by challenging them to the point where they want to walk away mm. so uh, and i had a really uh deep experience that way when i uh i work a lot i'm a baha'i and so in in the baha'i faith in canada we had a lot of um, iranian refugees we were the first country to accept iranian uh, baha'i refugees mm -hmm. and so i was immersed in really immersed and have been pretty much for the past 36 years in Iranian culture. Right. And it's it's not the same thing as uh, Iranian Muslim culture. It's Iranian Baha'i culture, but it's still Iranian. There are still national characteristics. And there were... So is it, called, is it called Iranian or is it called... Do they refer to themselves as Persian? They refer to themselves as Persians. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, uh, yeah but they... Um, so you would meet people who were... You know, they were like neurosurgeons, and they learned English really quickly, and they they would end up translating uh, English documents for people that were born here, at, you know, and helping them with their writing, uh, you know, and th they're on that end, and they were very um, quick to adapt to living in Canada. And then on the other end, you'd have people who were illiterate farmers who um, really knew very little about their religion actually uh, and about and about and we're just horrified that they were in Canada and just never got over it mm -hmm. and so you'd have those two extremes and and uh, and I had this encounter with one of the 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 second 
extreme the latter, with a, an older man who was, again, same thing, sort of, you know, very little education, very little experience, lived in a tiny, tiny farming community in Iran, and then came here and was transported to Edmonton and had just felt so out of sorts and never got out of feeling out of sorts. And it just messed up their whole family. Mm. And um, and so I, I gave a presentation for some event. And afterwards, he came up and said something really rude to me. And I just, I, at first, I was hurt. And then I thought, Ah, this is a cultural rigidity thing, right, right? Right. And I turned around and smiled at him, and I and I asked him something that he could. I knew he could answer comfortably, and it totally changed his attitude. It was like, instead of feeling like, uh, you know, I don't know what he was feeling before, but he just. It was like he wanted to, to to talk further, whereas before he was looking at a way to show me that he wasn't going to accept whatever I'd said or, mm. or done, you know? And so, and I thought it was, it was about me being able to step back and say, yeah, this is where he's at and this is okay. Right. Be okay with that. And don't feel like you have to make him more culturally flexible because it, it this, doesn't this matter. Is, this Not is, your this, job. This is a good example because this, this is what we're seeing today in, in the world to a certain extent that, um, that there's, Uh, there are certain camps in in the public discourse who who feel that whoever is the other side the other in quotation marks are rigid and oneself we think of ourselves as the the flexible ones and the others are the ones that are stuck in their rigidity and and having the uh, having had the experience that you shared and having the humility of accepting that well sometimes we discover our own rigidity that can be a very helpful or healing experience to not uh, impose whatever we feel as a necessary flexibility on others. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Thanks for sharing that. So Marie, we, we, uh, we, our paths cross or I came across you because I follow you on social media and Uh, I would like for you to share a little bit with our audience in, in layman's terms what it is you do. You have a company in Edmonton that serves um, corporate Canada um, in helping develop their their leadership funnel. Is that somewhat correct? Yeah, I, Shift Management is the name of the business mm -hmm. and um, the website is shiftworkplace.com and uh, we do serve two audiences. We We work to help uh, supervisors in, increase their leadership skills, so their front line, the people that have been promoted up because they were good at their job but don't necessarily have the management skills. And into that is inserted quite a bit of um, uh, managing a diverse workforce and working with um, inter intercultural communication. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other audience that we serve are newcomers to Canada, and they are from all over the world, and they're looking for work in their field. And so um, they're either, because there's such there was such a high bar set for many years in Canada on who could immigrate here, they had to have all these points, and then they couldn't find work in their field. So um, it's about finding the back door into jobs. And um, has remained relevant in spite of economic vol volatility. Mm -hmm. So those are the two audiences that we serve, and we do that mostly through through multimedia and online courses. So um, that's what we do uh, first. It used to be a lot of training that was face-to-face -face classroom style, but now that's a very small portion of what I do. I still do it regularly, uh, but it's, a, it's maybe 10% of what I do, and 90% is online. Mm, okay. And when you say you, you serve your clients to help their, um, their up-and-coming leadership in, in intercultural areas, 
um, how, how does it work when when your company um, serves your clients? How, how do you get those those up and coming leaders ready to lead and manage in a diverse work environment? Well, the the majority of, of corporate clients that come to us don't come looking for uh, cultural learning, although mm. some of them do come directly for that, and more and more are coming directly for that, as a matter of fact. Uh, but usually they come because they have some kind of a business problem that they want solved. And when we dig deeper, we find out that that problem has to do, frequently has to do with their uh, with with their workplace learning. So if they don't have a learning culture, uh, then they are going downhill with their business. And so part of workplace learning is to learn how to work with the people that you have in your company. And for the most part, the people that you have in your company are from around the world. They're either immigrants or they're first generation immigrants and sometimes second generation immigrants. We once did a demographic portrait for the city of Lethbridge, which is a small city in Alberta. And it turned out that 80% um, of their population were uh, were second gener up to second generation immigrants, and they they didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. So yeah, and that they actually had a, a much higher, you know, immigrant recently moved in, and that they had immigrated from that from a, that country within this generation, much higher rate of immigration than they thought they did. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were surprised that they were 24% or something like that. So, um, which is like Alberta has been trying for years to get a regular steady rate of 13% immigrants coming in every single year. And so, and Lethbridge was so surprised that they were at 24% uh, regularly. So, uh, because it doesn't seem like it would be a place where people would just naturally go to. So, part of sometimes I work with businesses on that, um, and that would be more on a cons uh, consulting basis. But I also have a team, and we produce, uh, we produce a lot of stuff uh, through the freemium economy. <laughs> right. So we do. We have blog posts and Facebook lives and vi videos, and I'm going to start a podcast next year. Yeah. In September. Yeah, I want to join the podcast community because I'm such a fan. I've been listening to podcasts for years, and I'm just crazy for them. And um, so, yeah, so we do that and webinars. We do lots of webinars, and then we bring people into our courses uh, and our products and to consulting services through those means. So that's generally uh, how it works. Okay. So we'll make sure that we have a part of the show notes as you're listening to this and trying to to maybe jot this down. Please don't do this while you're driving, by the way. Um, so go back to the show notes of this episode and you'll find the links to um, Shift Workplace and also to the social media outlets for Marie and her, her business. And also we will post or you will find in the show notes a link to the YouTube channel because Marie, you told me earlier, you guys are establishing or you have been in the process of establishing this YouTube channel with um, lots and lots of video content circling or, or uh, pertaining to your your expertise in your work field. So in in two sentences, what, what will people find on that YouTube channel? Well, they're going to find short videos between 30 seconds and three minutes in length that are all about the kinds of workplace issues that you have when you have different cultures coming together, right from the applying for a job and looking for a job uh, up to 
succession planning and everything in between, including intercultural communication and intercultural conflict styles, and lots of things that are very helpful for the workplace. So Brilliant. they're all based. Yeah, they're all there. Some of them are animations. Some of them are interviews. Some of them are voice PowerPoints. Some of them are little acted clips, but they all come from interviews with people or actual things that um, I observed or my team observed in in workplaces. So they're really pertinent. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, if people wanted to learn more about your business or be up to date in how they uh, might be able to benefit from your work, um, I'm assuming we'll send them obviously to your website. And there's, I think, different um, email newsletters that you can offer to people, right? Yeah, we usually, we have three newsletter segments. And one of them is is for uh, uh, culture and communication. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is for developing your career. And the emphasis there is developing your career in another, in another country. And then the other one is developing your leadership skills. So nice. those nice. are the three. So people, you heard it, just go to the link, go to Marie's website, shiftworkplace.com. Um, sign up for whatever newsletter track sounds most appealing to you. Ideally, you sign up for all three of them. And make sure you uh, visit the YouTube channel. I think you um, would appreciate them to like it or recommend it. I'm not sure how YouTube works, but there needs to be a certain number of subscribers so you guys get your own domain on YouTube or something like that, right? Yeah, we need to get to 100 subscribers so that we can have our own URL instead of a big long string of numbers. Nice. And so, uh, but it's it's not ready uh, in, at the time that we're speaking right now, but in about a couple of weeks, which is probably before this will episode will be aired, you will see the YouTube channel. It'll have everything up there and it's, it's multilingual. So we also have our little workplace videos and uh, cultural workplace video pieces. Mm -hmm. We have them in French, English, Spanish, Arabic, Uh, Ukrainian and Hindi subtitles nice. and so yeah it's going to be quite useful for a lot of people excellent so um, I don't want to say consider done your hundred subscribers but I expect the listener community of the culture guy podcast to subscribe to your channel so expect at least a handful of new subscribers no actually there should be more <laughs> so um, I hope we can do our part to make this a full success Marie thank you for taking time for this this was excellent It was a pleasure having you on and maybe we should do this again in a year or so when you have some traction with that YouTube channel or your other project that you're working on and I would love to get an update on how that's been going. Sure. May I say one thing before we end? Oh, of course you may. Yeah, because I continue to work in the field and take co live contracts and work work with people. I just finished doing a, a small contract where I was working with Syrian refugees mm. uh, who are looking for work. And I had so much fun that I was very sad uh, to at the end of the of the contract. And it just made me realize how how wonderful it is to have refugees in the country. <laughs> The uh, attitude that they have towards wanting to integrate and become a part of society and, and do their full share and that just the friendliness that they showed towards me, I, I feel like they're, you know, close family friends. And I, it was only a small contract of three weeks of seeing them a couple of times a week. And I just, it made me think that most of the time when we have any issues with uh, people that are not like us, it's because we haven't met them yet. Oh, beautiful. 
I, thank you for making sure that gets on the record because I wholeheartedly support that sentiment and I, there's nothing from me to add to this. This was beautifully said. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for having me. And thank you for taking time. Greetings to Alberta, Canada, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Marie. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Marie Chavet from Edmonton, Alberta in Canada. She and her team make some valuable contributions to the field of international work and the skills you need to be successful in that arena. To find out more about what she and her team are doing, um, check out the links you'll find on the show notes. Um, Shift Workplace is one of her Twitter handles. The other one is Work and Culture. We, I'll make sure that you find all the relevant links. Make sure to follow her, to like what she's posting, and read what's on her blog because yeah it's a treasure trove well that's a tough word for a german to say a treasure trove of information i hope that got out right and also remember sometimes there's no need to change people's attitude towards otherness as Marie said, all of us are on a continuum of cultural rigidity, and some of us may change our spot on that continuum over the course of our lives, and others never will, and maybe sometimes it's not our job to change where people stand on that. As hard, it is, as, hard as it may be sometimes, and I'm guilty. With this, I say goodbye. Talk to you next time. Hope you like what you hear. Give this a comment. Share this on Twitter, on Facebook, on your LinkedIn, on your Google+, on your Instagram, whatever you use to share this with. Maybe even email or tell somebody. The Culture Guy Podcast. Hope you will be back next time. Oh, and don't forget to follow us. Twitter is Culture Guy. Uh, excuse me, is Culture Mastery at Culture Mastery. Of course, my personal handle at Hufale. Find us on Facebook. We have two pages: one for the Culture Guy and the company page for the Culture Mastery. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn and all the other good stuff. Even an Instagram. We have a the Culture Mastery Instagram now. There's no reason why you shouldn't be there. And with this, I'm out. Talk to you next time. Culture Guy says bye-bye.